Hey, so for my podcast that I chose, I decided to go with uh, Car Talk. Uh, it was really the only podcast that really caught my eye. Um, so Car Talk, uh, it starts off by just reading some comments and introducing themselves. So they start off by reading comments by people left on their page or comments sent, sent in, letters, etc., and to start off, they kind of just joke around a little bit with one another, which I personally personally really like because they get to seem more open and not necessarily vulnerable, but they're more laid back and it seems more of a flowing conversation, uh, which I really like. Uh, then once they get done reading the comments, they answer phone calls from people uh, that call into their show and with their car troubles and they just answer with what they think is wrong uh, they made some jokes about Chevy so they're Ford guys which I think is kind of funny just joking around how Chevy's always break down and how they're always having problems no matter if it's a truck or a car so definitely big Ford guys there. Uh, then once they get done with that, they read some ads and then they just kind of start the whole process back over. Uh, it changes it up from them reading comments to answering phone calls and then back to the comments and back to a few phone calls. Uh, I really like how they had it set up. Uh, it's just, it flowed very smoothly. They would answer three or four uh, comments or letters, emails, whatever they get, they didn't really clarify. And then they would answer three or four phone calls and go from there, which I really like. They went into depth and they joked around with the callers too, which I really liked. Uh, it shows that they're human and they have, they have like a side that you don't always see in people that you just meet. Uh, they, they're very friendly and they give good advice. So that, that's what I got from Car Talk. Page 88, uh, paragraph one. Uh, this is talking about the raw numbers and media minutes add up. On the spring of 2006, the Kaiser Family Foundation released another report that specifically focused on children between six months and six years of age. In a survey of more than 1,000 parents, the researchers who wrote the report revealed that 84% of all children in this range live in a home with two or more TV sets, and then more than one-third of the children have a TV in their bedrooms. You might think that children who are only one year old might not have a TV in the bedroom, but 19% of them do. The authors conclude that the vast majority of children are growing up in homes where television is the near constant presence. They noted that for one-third of the children in this age range, the home environment is one in which the TV is set either always on or most of the time. These statistics ring true. I have talked with therapists in my own community who regulate, regularly visit children's homes to help them with their speaking skills or motor development. The therapists report that almost without 
expectations. The home they visit have a TV set that is turned on when they arrive. In most cases, the family members do not think that turning off the set for the duration of the therapy visit. This is an anecdotal evidence for the notion that TV has simply become part of our living environment. Me, uh, this kind of like just surprised me that kids under the age of six have TVs in their room. The first time I got a TV in my room, I was 12 years old. And then I went without one in my room. I still don't have one in my room since the age of 14. So if I wanna go watch TV, I gotta go get up and go out in the living room and watch TV. And I don't watch a lot of TV um, anymore because I'd rather rather be out doing something and I don't like sitting still. I'd rather be outside fishing, hunting, working, doing something more productive than just sitting at home and watching TV all day. Uh, my brother, he's the complete opposite. He would rather sit and watch TV or game all day. And I think there's just a difference in uh, not even generations, just a couple, couple years apart. And there's a big difference in what got people my age do and people younger than me do. I just, I pick, picked up on that and it's sad to say, but TV's become way too important in, a, in our lives. So I decided to listen to Car Talk again, a very good podcast. They had the same exact setup as they did the last time and probably for times going on back for years since they've been doing this a while. It was very entertaining. They did phone calls. They answered some comments that they had sent in. Then they went back, phone calls, comments, phone calls, comments. Very good. They had some jokes in there that were pretty funny. Made fun of some people. Made fun of just some of the ways that people thought. But they also agreed with what a lot of the callers and comments said. That they need, should they do this or this? And neither, sometimes both answers were right in a way. But other times they one answer was wrong or they both answers were wrong. It just depended on the situation. Uh, one thing I did find pretty interesting is that you should only really warm up your car for a minute or two when it's cold out and maybe, maybe five minutes if it's zero or below. I thought that was one of the most interesting things that they brought up since all you're doing is wasting gas when you let your car sit there and warm up. So I thought that was probably the most interesting thing I took away from that certain podcast. And I think anyone around the Midwest would feel the same way about it. Uh, the three biggest tips for effective podcasting, be yourself, be true to your audience, and have fun. Just have fun doing it. Page 177, paragraph 4, is it fun to be scared? Although the research reveals that many people regret having seen certain scenes in TV shows or movies and suffer long-term fright reactions, 
This is hardly the complete picture in nearly every study conducted in which people are asked if they like to watch this type of media, the distribution of responses is similar. Roughly one third of respondents report that they do not like this kind of entertainment and will avoid it at any cost. Another one third report that they enjoy this kind of entertainment and actively seek it out. The last group of people report that it depends on the content. There are certain themes that they find enjoyable and other themes that they can't take very well. So when looking at this, I agree with them that sometimes, especially the last group, sometimes there's certain themes that you can take very well and it depends on what what you're into that day. Sometimes I wanna see a scary movie and say I'm with a bunch of friends and we're like, okay, yeah, we can throw on Shawshank Redemption or something along the lines that some people might seem that it's scary and others doesn't bother them. Uh, if you're in a big group, you're probably less likely to be scared than say if you're watching it by yourself at home alone when you're in high school and then something happens outside like the wind knocks down a tree or something and you just hear a loud bang or a car door shuts, you're instantly scared. Uh, so it just depends on the person and what type of environment you are in. Page 169, paragraph one. Why is the paranormal so scary? Ironically, the seeds of understanding why paranormal media depicts are so often experienced as frightening and upsetting are contained in my early experience with the Twilight Zone. At the age of six, I had come to understand the difference between reality and fantasy. At precisely the point in my life where I thought I had the distinction sorted out Along comes Rod Sterling to toy with my mind. The transformation of people into mannequins looked as if it could actually happen in a real department store. I was just uncertain enough about this possibility that I found it to be terrifying. Um, I think everyone kind of goes through this stage of like, they think they have the world figured out as a little kid. And I'd say about the age of six, it's right on point. You think you know what you're, what's real, what's fake. But in reality, you still have no idea what's actually going on. Um, paranormal activity, it can be scary. Uh, like, I was probably at around the age of eight or so. I started watching Ghost Adventures when it would come on on the weekends. Like, is this actually real or is all of this stuff, like, set up and staged? So it kind of just toys with your mind. I'm Even today, it kind of toys with my mind and we... I have some friends that they like to talk about it. Some think it's real, some think it's fake, and I'm kind of in the middle. I'm like, I don't know. Do we really know what's all going on in this world? And do we have an answer for everything? Or is it just best to leave some answers left unknown and let the mind think on its own and what what's real, what's fake? Um, I would just kind of go let your mind go and wander off because it's good for the mind to think and wander about what's real what's fake is it reality fantasy page 180 uh, paragraph one beyond fear other emotion emotional reactions to media the possibility of feeling 
Eurofric after a frightening movie or feeling attracted to a viewing partner serves to illustrate only a couple of specific emotional reactions, among many that occur when people use media. During the past two decades, probably more studies have been published on human emotion than were published in the entire century up to that point. As a result, many theoretical ideas about emotion have been tested in the context of media and have helped scholars to understand the different ways that our feelings are interactively tied to the media we consume. Before concluding this chapter, let's consider just a few of the important ideas about emotion and the media that have helped to shape the way scholars now understand this topic. Uh, as I said in a previous paragraph before, the way we want to watch something, sometimes you're in the mood for a comedy or a scary movie, I think our emotions play a lot in that. If you're kind of having a bad day, you want to watch a comedy. If you're kind of having a good day, you might be like, oh, I kind of want to watch a, watch a scary movie. Um, it just depends on how you're feeling. Our emotions factor into a lot of choices that we make just on a daily basis about everything. What we want to watch, what we want to eat, how you approach class, do you want to go to class? Uh, how your day is going to turn out is kind of how you or how your emotions factor into your daily life. So that's really all I got.